I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. Round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome to episode number 50 of Unfermettable, where we take a look at some of the less heralded myths in our beloved franchise's ever quirky history. Because to us, every player who dons the orange and blue is, in their own way, unformidable. Starting to finally get a bit more into swing of the season here, close to a real week of baseball for the Mets, and it'd be nice if it wasn't another scheduled five-game week coming up for our team, based just on the schedule, but so it goes, I guess. The Mets' trip to Colorado last week ended in very exciting fashion, and of course this week they're having a rare-ish interleague series with the Boston Red Sox, and these two factors together combine to put me in mind of today's podcast subject, a little while back, a week ago or so, on Sunday, the Mets won quite notably when the last out of the game was recorded by a caught stealing, thanks to a great throw by James McCann, and an excellent tag, and an even better and more enjoyable post-tag reaction from Francisco Lindor in what was clearly, or it was certainly one of the most exciting or enjoyable non-Jacob deGrom moments of the 2021 Mets season thus far, and um, subsequent 
research uh, that I read after the game uh, revealed that it turned out to be the eighth time in franchise history that a Met game ended that way with a caught stealing, according to the uh, final out of a game. It was a trick pulled by some greats, uh, Gary Carter and Jerry Grody among them, and also by some more obscure ones, such as Kelly Stinnett, and the subject of today's podcast, who is actually the last Met to pull the trick before James McCann, and whose other most memorable Met moment took place against those upcoming Boston Red Sox, and that would be the unformidable Omir Santos. Omir Santos Rios was born April 29, 1981, in Bayamon, Puerto Rico. He attended high school and college in Missouri, uh, attending East Central College in Union, Missouri, and it was out of that college that he was drafted in the 21st round of the 2001 MLB draft by the New York Yankees. Santos never made it above, barely even made it to AAA in the Yankees organization. He showed up in the very bottom of some of their prospect listings. I think I saw 29th at one point, thanks to a strong defensive reputation, uh, but never recorded an OPS above 717, and that was in low A ball in 2001. So, like many a catching prospect or minor league catching figure, uh, was if he was going to get anywhere, it would be more on his glove than on his bat, and it wasn't going to be in the Yankees organization. After you know five, six years there, he was granted. Uh, he became a minor league free agent and signed on with the Baltimore Orioles organization in 2008. Santos spent almost all of 2008 in the Baltimore organization in AAA. I believe their AAA affiliate was Norfolk at that point. I hate thinking of that as anyone but the Mets. Uh, Triple A team, but at any rate, he did get called up in September of that year, either just when the rosters expanded, I, I don't know if there was an injury, uh, but he got very sporadic playing time over the month of September, uh, mostly coming in as a late game replacement, uh, got one start late in the year, went one for ten So for Baltimore, so on September 23rd of 2008, Santos did record his first career hit in the major leagues, singled into left center against the Tampa Bay Rays' James Shields with two outs and no one on in the bottom of the fourth, and got thrown out at second trying to stretch it to a double to end the inning. Uh, That would actually be Santos' last at-bat in the game. Uh, He went one for two uh, with the game in in the bottom of the seventh with the Orioles trailing four to two. He was pinch hit four by... Uh, beloved former Met, Jay Payton, and then with the Orioles. So Santos would not record his first career hit as a Met, but he would have most of the fleeting, but a few exciting, memorable baseball moments he would with the organization the following season. Santos was again granted free agency after the 2008 season and signed as a minor league free agent with the Mets in December of 2008 as the team prepared to move into its new home of City Field in 2009 uh, with a team that did have high hopes, I suppose, given uh, that they had you know, barely missed the playoffs the two previous seasons 
and fortified their bullpen in the offseason, although I don't think I was too optimistic going into 2009, so for once I was right. But, you know, the team did have high hopes, and Santos was not certainly signed expecting to be a key part of the team. Clearly he had settled into, you know, what he was in his career, kind of catching organizational depth piece. Uh, teams are always certainly a position that where, uh, much like left-handed reliever, um, you can probably find a job if you're still healthy and viable and can play some defense. And, yeah, I don't remember the Mets signing Santos, and I don't remember him being part of the team's plans. Uh, but the Mets starting catcher, a term I probably used loosely and derisively in 2009 and still kind of use in the same way now, that season was to be Brian Schneider. But he uh, got injured very early in April, uh, moving Ramon Castro up from his backup to the starting spot and causing Santos to get called up from AAA to back up Castro in early in the season in mid-April of 2009. And Amir Santos would make his Mets debut on April 17th of 2009, which was actually a notable game in its own right. So after starting 2009 3-3 on the road, the Mets came home to open up City Field on Monday, April 13th. They, of course, lost to the Padres 6-5, and took the next game 7-2, and then lost the rubber game of the series 6-5 on April 16th. And I believe it was on the 16th or after that game that Schneider went on the DL. So again, Castro kind of moved up to become the starting catcher, and Santos was called up prior to the fourth game in City Field history, the Mets against the Milwaukee Brewers, April 17th. With the Mets trailing 4-3 going into the bottom of the seventh, pinch hitter Gary Sheffield stepped up and promptly launched his 500th career home run, a laser over the Great Wall of Flushing in left field to tie the game and mark one of the first, uh, if not the first, uh, player milestones in the new ballpark's history. I guess the first game, of course, is notable for ballpark milestones, but uh, it was kind of one of those first player milestone moments that I remember at City Field. And, you know, it was a pretty big homer in the game, tying the score at four. Uh, the score still tied in the eighth. Ramon Castro singled to lead off the inning and was pinch run for by Alex Cora. So that led to Omir Santos making his Met debut behind the plate in the top of the ninth. And in fact, Santos would come up in the bottom of the ninth with a golden opportunity for the first walk-off hit in City Field history. Uh, Carlos Delgado, if memory serves, probably would have had it uh, had we had our current City Field dimensions. As I, he doubled deep to left field off of off of that original City Field wall. But of course, in in those 2009 City Field dimensions, that just led to a double as an intentional walk of Ryan Church. Why anyone would intentionally walk Ryan Church is mysterious, but it's a different time. Uh, but so it was two on and one out. Santos grounded out to short of the slow grounder, so the Brewers were not able to turn the double play. Delgado moved up to third, and that allowed Luis Castillo the the opportunity to drive in the to the first walk-off victory in City Field history for the Mets with an infield single to short that scored Delgado and let the Mets walk off the Brewers. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It would be the very next night that, in his only his second game as a Met, that Omir Santos would pull a James McCann, so to speak as he once again entered the game in very similar circumstances. Uh, this time it was Santos himself who came in to pinch run for Ramon Castro when he drew a leadoff walk in the seventh inning. And that is much more an indictment of Ramon Castro. If you don't remember him, he was very Wilson Ramos-esque. I mean, a, a foot race between Ramon Castro and Wilson Ramos would be a lengthy sight to behold. Uh, but he had that kind of foot speed. So, you know, again, not an indication that Omir was a sneaky, fast catcher. In fact, he was had that squat catcher body type, as I remember. But, uh, you know, obviously better option than Castro in the situation. And this time, Santos would come around to score what would ultimately be the only run of the game as Johan Santana outdueled Giovanni Gallardo, one nothing when for at least one day, 2009 went just like Omar Minaya drew it up as Johan won seven scoreless. JJ Putz came in to throw a scoreless eighth inning in that remodeled bullpen after the bullpen cost the Mets so dearly down the stretch in 2008. And then K-Rod came on for the ninth inning. And in that one nothing game, he did surrender a leadoff single to Ryan Braun, but then he struck out Prince Fielder. And then cue not just K-Rod, but Omir Santos as on a 3-2 pitch, K-Rod struck out J.J. Hardy on a slider, and Santos gunned down Braun, who was running on the playoff pit, on the payoff pitch, pardon me, to end the game. Making for quite the Met baptism for Omir Santos. And actually, it was quite the series for Omir Santos, as, of course, uh, that was a Saturday day game. Uh, it was also the first uh, game I, th- I personally attended at City Field, so pretty memorable and exciting for me uh, to see Johan pull off that win. Uh, the next day, uh, Sunday afternoon, uh, Santos got his first start as a Met, and he went two for four with a double and a triple. So maybe I was wrong. Maybe that pinch running was a brilliant idea. Uh, I- again, I'm going to guess that was a very huge dimensioned first season City Field triple uh, in, but uh, it's a nice first start for Santos as a Met in what was unfortunately a 4-2 Mets defeat to the Brewers. So for most of April, Castro was the primary starter, but you know, as, as is often the case with catchers, backups got in often. And in fact, uh, t- 10 days later, approximately, Omir Santos hit his first career home run on April 27th. 
uh, in the first inning off of Annabelle Sanchez of the Marlins, which was the first Grand Slam in City Field history. Omir will always be in our Met record books right there as well. But a little mini burst of Santos mania was just burgeoning, as he really did get off to a pretty decent uh, offensive start in particular as a Met, and uh, this would reach its peak in May as the Mets traveled up to Boston to go to Fenway uh, to play the Boston Red Sox in May of 2009. And after taking the opener of the series 5-3, to three, uh, the teams met up again Saturday in a Saturday evening game at the Mets trailed 2-1 going into the ninth when Josh Beckett outdueled Mike Pelfrey over eight innings. So going to the ninth, uh, the Sox brought in their closer, Jonathan Papelbon, who had not blown a save to that point in the season in late May, but he had never met Omir Santos. I mean, maybe he had. I, I can't back that up, but I'm going to guess no. But at any rate, uh, Gary Sheffield, once again, a prominent player, surprisingly, in this podcast, led off the frame by walk, drawing a walk off of Papelbon, but Papelbon struck out Dave, David Wright and Jeremy Reed to send the Mets down to their final out. But in a dramatic, if somewhat delayed, uh, anticlimactic, wonderful moment. Uh, Santos took Papelbon's first pitch over the green monster, uh, took a long replay review. It kind of bounced off cushioning just over the monster back onto the field, originally ruled a double at the time. And I think at that point in time, replay was restricted just to whether or not something was a home run or not. So the play was reviewed and correctly ruled a home run. And Santos had his two-out, soon-to-be game-winning home run, uh, very dramatic ninth-inning home run as J.J. Putz closed out the Red Sox in the bottom of the ninth to save the Mets' victory. And while closing out a game with a caught stealing is pretty damn cool and certainly rarer, and uh, just I think a lot because of Lindor's reaction, I'm going to remember that McCann moment very vividly. Uh, this is definitely Omir Santos's singular uh, moment as a Met, I would say, and if you Google him, it's the first video you can find on YouTube is that home run off of Papelbon. And what a nice delight. It's so rare that the Mets own a reliever, in my experience, and what better one to own than Papelbon? I mean, you know, whether it's Omir Santos or Jordani Valdespin when he was with Philadelphia, and I mean, Papelbon just seemed like the quintessential Red Sox slash Philly, what better two cities for that Yahoo to ply his trade in. But I digress. This would actually be like just the, you know, beginning or somewhat continuation of a nice little spurt that Santos had, a, a very cool small sample size, but moment where it looked like maybe the Mets had unearthed a viable backup catcher. Uh, a week later, Santos would tie a game 1-1 in the fifth inning against the Marlins with a solo home run, and then later deliver a walk-off single in the bottom of the 11th, once again scoring Gary Sheffield, and giving the Mets a 2-1 victory in City Field. And literally days later, uh, as Scheiner was coming off the DL, 
Ramon Castro would be traded to the Chicago White Sox, Santos seemingly ascending to the backup catching job. And hey, 2009 obviously was ultimately a very disappointing year for the Mets. Uh, I think they kept a tiny bit above 500 till uh, late into June, but began to fade at the All-Star break before collapsing. At least in 2009, they didn't collapse in September, but, you know. But it did turn out to be a very memorable year for Omir Santos, I would guess. It was certainly the best year of his career. And in fact, with the injuries to Schneider, and honestly, when Schneider played, he was terrible in 2009, uh, Santos actually logged the most games played behind the plate for the Mets in 2009. As late as July, um, really late in July, he had an OPS of above 750, but he did fade late, probably. Uh, I, I imagine the exposure and the larger amount of playing time and or just the regression to the mean played itself out. But, you know, it was a year with the ballpark and everything where the offense struggled and he was a rare bright spot for a time in the 2009 season. While Santos uh, remained in the organization, uh, clearly any any brief glimmer where he looked like uh, you know, the organization's backup catcher had clearly passed by. Uh, the team brought in Rod Barajas, Henry Blanco in the offseason. Also, Josh Tully started to make his way up to the majors uh, through the minors. So while Santos remained in the organization in 2010, he, he technically did get called up for a few days when Henry Blanco was hurt, but he didn't see any actual major league time. And in fact, he struggled terribly offensively in double A and triple A and was granted his release by the organization after the 2010 season, ending his time as a Met. From there, he entered quite the journeyman phase of the career, but very little major league time. He did sign with the Tigers organization, and he spent two years there in 2010 and 2011. A very little uh, playing time, only 14 major league games between those two seasons, uh, mostly as a defensive replacement. Uh, he was on the Tigers' uh, postseason roster in 2011 as their backup catcher getting in one game of the ALDS against the Yankees, uh, again as a defensive replacement with no plate appearances. After that, he signed with the Indians organization for in 2013. Uh, again, in those, in those years after leaving the Mets, he appeared in only 15 games, getting 33 plate appearances, uh, going 6 for 33, or excuse me, 6 for 31 with a couple of walks in his time with Cleveland and Detroit. He spent time in the Pirates and Nationals organizations before coming back to Cleveland in 2016, uh, but never made the majors again after 2013 and officially retired after that 2016 season. And upon retiring, stayed in the Indians organization, where he is currently manager of, or at least in 2020, he was manager of one of the Dominican Summer League teams in the Indians organization. I know the miners have been unfortunately and unfairly cut back over the last year or so, and I don't know if that affects uh, where he is or if he's still in the organization at this point. 
for his career, Santos appeared in 96 games with the Mets and only 26 games over his other four seasons with Baltimore, Detroit, and Cleveland. Uh, he actually put up a negative war, according to baseball reference for his career, negative 0.4 uh, in 322 at-bats. He hit 248 with a 280 on base percentage, 363 slugging, and 644 OPS for a 71 OPS plus. But that's you know, buoyed a bit by that 2009 season with the Mets, where, as I said, he appeared in 96 games, the most of any catcher on the roster, obviously. Uh, got 306 plate appearances, uh, 281 at-bats. Uh, as a Met in 2009, Santos hit seven home runs. Not bad in 2009 City Field. Uh, hit 40 RBIs and a 260, 296, 391 slash line, uh, ultimately putting up a 688 OPS and an 82 OPS+. plus. A little below average, obviously, but Santos did put up a 0.1 war, according to baseball reference, uh, as a Met in 2009, uh, 0.5 offensively. And yeah, now I'm curious, I want to look this up. I know, yeah, Murphy uh, famously led the 2009 Mets with 12 home runs, uh, but I do see that David Wright, Gary Sheffield, Carlos Beltran, and Jeff Francoeur all hit 10 home runs for the team. So Santos was a distant sixth in home runs for the team. Uh, thought maybe that seven might have ranked higher in 2009. But regardless, Omir Santos provided some memorable moments and game-ending heroics. And for that, he is, of course, unformidable. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Unformidable. Please go to AmazonAvenue.com for more Mets-related content. You can follow Amazing Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and you can find this and all of our Amazing Pods wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, leave us reviews where possible, it really helps. Original music by Bunga. I'm on Twitter at WolfRR, W-O-L-F-F-R-R, and the show is at Unformidable. Please give us a shout. Any suggestions you might have for your favorite Unformidable Met. And thank you so much, and as always, let's go Mets!